Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Mark Steckman, host of the Business Beyond the Boardroom live radio show. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, I mean, what are you waiting for? Rate it, share it with your friends. We have new content coming out every weekday. It would mean the world to me if you did. Now, here's today's episode. Enjoy. His name is Houston Kraft. He is a professional speaker, author, curriculum designer, and kindness advocate who speaks at schools, conferences, and events internationally. He's spoken to over a half a million people at 600 engagements and counting. He is the co-founder of an awesome program called Character Strong, which is trainings and curriculum that create more compassionate cultures in schools and in communities. They work with Get this, 2,500 schools serving over 1 million students with their content. In 2019, he was featured by Lay's, yeah, Lay's, the the potato chip people, (laughs) on their barbecue and jalapeno chip bags for their Spreading Smiles campaign. His first book, Deep Kindness, uh, was just published by Simon & Schuster, released just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Houston Craft, can you hear me? Good morning. Welcome to the Business Beyond the Boardroom show. Thank you so much. What a, what a kind intro. That was nice. Well, where, where are you calling us from, uh, Houston, before we uh, go any further? I'm in California, so I think we're in, in different spots right now, but you sound good. <laughs> yeah, well, we we're in, we definitely are. We're in Tampa Bay, so we're a couple hours ahead of you. Appreciate you getting up and uh, getting your morning started with us this morning. Um, you know, I, I, I want to talk about the book, and I want to talk about how you got to the book, but for those who aren't familiar uh, with the book, I'll give a little preface, which is um, comes from the book itself. It says, Deep kindness is a call to action, beckoning us to a deeper understanding of calls readers, it calls readers to move past surface-level confetti kindness. I love how you call it that, marked by cutesy phrases and empty gestures. Instead, uh, Houston, he reveals deep kindness in an ever-growing, skilled, rooted in empathy, perspective-taking, resilience, courage, and forgiveness. Uh, Houston, this is a tremendous book, especially for where we're at right now, not only with the political season, but coming you know, through a pandemic and just so much going on. Uh, what a great time to be releasing this book. So tell us a little bit about how you got to uh, the point of writing the book. What what was the origin of the book? And then we'll get into a little bit about the book and how we can be better, kinder people around wherever we're at. Yeah, the, you know, I think some people spend time sort of obsessing over whatever their lane is. And mine just happens to be compassion and kindness. Uh, I had a lot of my world changed in high school when, when I was sort of introduced to a new way of thinking about kindness, a sort of kindness that wasn't contingent upon whether or not I liked the person or agreed with the person, but sort of that unconditional compassion. And the way I thought about that in high school has shaped so much of the trajectory of the rest of my life. And I started speaking in schools and developing curriculum for schools. And suddenly I'd been doing it for 10 years. I was like, you know, I think I think about this thing different than a lot of people, Mm. which is a fun realization, I think, for anyone who's been in any industry for a long time. When you stare at one thing long enough, you start to see details that other people don't. And so I, about a year ago, I was, uh, I was sitting on the beach. And I thought to myself, you know, I think one of the most damaging things we do to this sort of universally agreed upon idea of kindness, meaning universally agreed upon in the sense of we all think it's important. And yet, as you look around, we're like, why are we so bad at this thing? 
And to me, it has to do with the way that we diminish how hard it is in the way that we speak about it. Mm. I feel like I get a bit of a firsthand insight into it working in schools, but you see these posters everywhere on social media and beyond. It's like, just be kind. Kindness is free. Sprinkle that stuff everywhere. And I think one of the most damaging ideas we could give young people, but I think all of us, is that kindness is free. It's not. You know, Mm. it it requires, it costs me convenience and comfort time, energy, uh, requires me to take a new perspective. It requires me to be uncomfortable. And, and so uh, I wanted to reinvent the way that we thought about it to hopefully use it better. I, I've been reading the book. And uh, by the way, those just joining us, uh, we're talking with Houston Kraft. He's the author of a brand new book from Simon & Schuster called Deep Kindness. Uh, Houston, I've been reading the book. And one of the things that you uh, talk about in there is why We've kind of moved away from kindness in our world, and uh, you talk about anxiety and how anxiety levels of young people today are actually very similar to uh, patients that might have been in a psychiatric ward in the 1950s. It's that high. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how we've gotten to the point where it's actually a struggle. Why is it that we are not an unkind society, if you will? The you know, I think it's easy with something positive we so often associate with positivity like kindness to just focus on the good side. And it's really easy to avoid the question, you know, what gets in my way? What prevents me from being the the kindest version of myself? Mm. And the data would say that uh, my, my friend, Dr. Michelle Borba wrote this, this amazing book where she says the three biggest barriers to empathy are fear, anxiety, and narcissism. Mm. And as we look around the world, I think we see an increase categorically in all three of those things. Narcissism, I think, is increasing just because of, in some ways, like the nature of the way we we pitch what success is, that it's all about you. It's all Mm. about your grades, your scores, your income, your job. But fear and anxiety are the byproduct of of our circumstances, right? If the need for productivity increases, increases our worry about whether or not we're being productive, obviously in the time of COVID, quarantine and scarcity and a lot of economic impact, those things naturally increase our anxiety. And I think it's, it's one of those obvious things, but you know, Michelle Borba in her book, she says, when anxiety goes up, empathy goes down. Hmm. The more worried I am about what's going on in my world, the harder time I have thinking about what's going on in yours, which doesn't make it impossible. It just means if we're not aware of that, when we're anxious or fearful, we're going to spend all of our time worrying about ourselves and and not be very effective at taking care of each other. Do you feel like that the move over the last 10 years to a mobile phone world that we live in, with not just blaming it on social media, but just the, the impact that the phone has had in uh, how we live and how we interact and engage, do you think, do you feel like technology as a whole, I don't want to blame iPhone and <laughs> Android for this, but I mean, do you feel like technology has caused our empathy to be reduced, you know, through the last decade or more, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think anything that, that sort of promises connectivity without delivering uh, more of the real thing is sort of a, a dangerous form of misdirection. I think the one that that is uh, interesting to me that maybe less people think about is how it decreases boredom, Hmm. right? We always have something to reach to. And neuroscience tells us that boredom is actually where our brain most cultivates 
creativity and empathy. Mm. Right? Empathy in many ways is a form of intentional imagination. It's a form of creativity. And if I don't have those in-between moments for my brain to wander or daydream, I don't flex that muscle. And so it's not just the, you know, the messages and the kids on the phone all the time. It's, it's, it's over many years, including with the advent of the TV. Some of this research came out you know, when TV started making their way into every household. When we have something we can rely on to turn on right away, to m- numb the mind, we reduce that creativity and, and empathy that's so critical for kindness. So am I hearing you say that in a progression as far as like how technology impacts our lives, that busyness causes us to be less empathetic, which then thereby causes us to not be as kind? Is that, I mean, I'm kind of following the footsteps here. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great uh, a great frame and 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 100% true, right? Some of the most frustrating studies I know of on compassion and kindness deal with exactly that. They have people in one building, you know, two two groups of people, both of them are in group in building A, and one of them's supposed to go deliver a passionate sermon on helping people, and the other group is supposed to go give a talk about jobs in the seminary field. The study was done in Princeton Theological Seminary School. And in between building A, where they were preparing for their sermon or their speech, and building B, where they were supposed to go deliver that thing, researchers planted someone in the middle, doubled over in pain, obviously in need, because they were curious. Would the people who were actively thinking about compassion, the one who were about to go tell a story about helping people in need, would they be more likely to stop and help this person in need? And the data said no. The biggest determining factor as to whether or not someone stopped to help was how much of in a rush they felt like they were in. Interesting. How much time they felt like they had to get from building A to building B. And so, yeah, absolutely, technology has, has provided us with relentless busyness, right? We, have, we always have the opportunity to be busy. And if our culture has convinced us that our worthiness is based on how much we get done and how busy we are, and I have opportunities to do it all the time, it naturally follows that I'm going to be invested in that. And when I'm so wrapped up in that, when I have a never-ending to-do list, uh, I'll never get to my, what I call the to-be list, right? I mm. want to be kind. Of course I do. But, oh, boy, I got so much to get done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I think we all recognize that, uh, and, and it's a function. Of, I was talking with Pat, who's our executive producer, across the glass about this before the show, and I, you know, it's it's easy to think of kindness as, like, really surface-level stuff, like, hey, Pat, like your shirt today, you look nice today. Uh, boy, you look 10 years younger than you really are. But what sort of skills, <laughs> <laughs> right, what sort of skills must we teach or can be taught to actually, for us to be able to practice kindness better? Yeah. Yeah, my, the, the book is broken down into the three primary parts, which are what I would bear the things that get in the way of, of kindness. The first one is incompetence. The second one, insecurity. The third one, inconvenience. Incompetence, to your point, are exactly that. What are the, what are the skills that I was never taught? that I actually need to practice meaningful kindness in my life? What are the tools that I don't have in my toolbox, right? And we all have some, but maybe we don't have the robust, you know, huge package that you get from the Home Depot. Maybe we just have some hand-me-down screwdrivers. Mm. And I, the, the toolbox that I think we presently need, you know, one of them is emotional regulation, which is that ability in moments where you're feeling a big feeling, 
which in the past few months, all of us have felt some version of a big feeling, whether it's anger, frustration, bitterness, sadness, overwhelm. Confusion. In those moments, confusion, yeah, do we have tools to regulate those emotions? Meaning, can I take myself from a 10 down to a 5, which doesn't mean you're dismissing the feeling. It just means you're able to act through the feeling in a way that aligns to your values, to who you want to be. Right? Typically, we treat people poorly when we're feeling a big feeling and we don't have control over it anymore. Mm, there you go. So if I, weren't taught, if I wasn't taught any tools to manage those emotions, well, guess what? We find ourselves in conflict, politically or otherwise, and it turns into shouting matches that are counterproductive because everyone's speaking at a 10 and no one's listening. Yeah, that's a great point. That's Obviously a big one. Yeah. Empathy, which is where that listening comes into play. Can I take people's perspectives? and recognize how complicated those perspectives are, right? Can I contextualize someone in their culture, in their race, in their gender, in their identity, in all these things that make mm-hmm. them them? Do I understand enough about those, those different categories of identity to truly understand how a circumstance is going to impact that person wildly different than how it's going to impact me? And if I don't have the first of all, the time, or, or second of all, the skills to listen to that effectively, to think through that, to take that perspective on cognitively, then my compassion is going to fall short. Mm. And and I, I, I keep going back to the time thing because as a busy entrepreneur, business owner, marketing expert, all these things, I do a radio show, a podcast, I got a thousand things going on through my brain on a typical day. It's easy to push intentional kindness to the back, you know, and uh, so being intentional in through our busyness uh, really keeps sticking out for me. And, we, you know, we've got a couple more minutes, and I want to explore one thing because one of the things that is really important to me as a parent is thinking about how we can impact the future, right? And how can we effectively encourage kindness in our children, whether whether they're our children or or family, or, or friends, or kids that we interact with in our jobs, or whatever it is, how can we do that with the future of uh, these children? Yeah, my first tip would be mind mind the gap. Harvard calls it the rhetoric reality gap, and it comes from a study they did where they asked parents to rank what they would rather their kids be. High-performing, happy, kind. And like 80-something percent said that they would rather their kids be happy and kind over high-performing. Seems like an encouraging data point until you ask the kids of those same parents, hey, what do you think your parents want you to be, high-performing, happy, or kind? Hmm. And the data is the exact opposite. Interesting. They call it the rhetoric reality gap because what we say is important and what we make important with our time, our resources, the questions we ask can be really different. So I think one of the big questions for, for families is just well, what are we measuring for success and, and how do we measure that both explicitly but also implicitly with the sort of questions we ask. One of my favorite really, really practical tips it comes from my friend Keith. Keith Hawkins is an amazing speaker and he has a room, a, a massive conference of student leaders. He goes, hey, how many of you in the past month had a parent or guardian at the end of the day ask you the question, what did you do for others today? Not how was your day, not what did you learn today, not did you, how the test go, not how was practice. What did you do for others today? In this room, 4,000 student leaders, Mark, and it was zero hands that went up. Mm. Yeah. 
which to me is is an indicator of that gap, right? That that what we ask questions about, what we measure, what we give our time to, what we pay attention to, what we determine to be successful, whether we're communicating that directly or indirectly, students pick up on that. Young people pick up on that and they say, yeah, I know you want me to be happy and kind, but more important is whether or not I win. Yeah. More important is whether or not I get these grades. Yeah, you're, I mean, you are just at the tip of the iceberg with how big of a topic this is. Uh, we're talking right now with uh, Houston Kraft. He is the author of a brand new book that's called Deep Kindness. And there's never been a time, at least in my adult life, where I feel like we need more kindness in the world. And it's not going to come from just posting cute memes on Facebook and, and other social platforms. It's not going to come from just saying, hey, let's be more kind today. We really got to get to the core of it from ourselves, from our individual perspectives. Uh, Houston, I wish we could talk for about another hour on this topic. Unfortunately, we can't. But I want to encourage people who are listening to the show, if they want to get deeper into the topic of how to have deeper kindness in their families and in their schools and in their communities and in their workplaces, to pick up the book that just uh, came out. It's Deep Kindness. It's available everywhere you buy books, right? You can get it on Amazon or any of these places. Is that, is that right, Houston? Mm-hmm. Or, you, or they just can they only order it from you? No, yeah, you can get it anywhere. Please yeah, I thought so. Anywhere. I know. And it's important that they do it right now, right? Because this is a critical period now that the book is brand new uh, in terms of getting on those bestsellers lists, too. That's exactly right. I, and I, by the way, and I know you, you didn't... You need kindness. You, you, yeah, that's right. You didn't ask me for that. But uh, hey, listen, Houston Craft, thank you so much for being a part of the show today and starting the conversation about kindness in our lives with his new book, Deep Kindness. Appreciate you being on the show today. Hey, thanks for listening to Business Beyond the Boardroom On Demand, a feature of the Business Beyond the Boardroom live radio show. You can listen to the full live radio show every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Simply go to markstechman.com for more information, or you could follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram for more great business and marketing content. Make it a great day.